morning, Kyle. Good morning, Melissa. And welcome to the Let's Talk Club Management Podcast, episode number 33. 33. 33. We are very excited today to have with us our newest Master Club Manager, Boris Gradin, NCM CCE. Welcome, Boris. Hey, good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. So let's talk a little bit about the MCM designation. Uh, this is the designation in club management that provides the means by which experienced club managers can make a significant contribution to the industry through adding their knowledge base available to other club management professionals. The MCM designation recognizes the, the importance of the significant long-lasting contributions made by club managers to their clubs, their professions, and ultimately their communities. The designation was officially bestowed to Boris at the opening business session at the recent 2020 CMA World Conference and Club Business Expo in Grapevine, Texas back in February. Um, he is the 23rd CMA member to achieve this designation. With more than 23 years of experience in the private club industry, Gratina currently serves as the general manager of the Maryland Golf and Country Club in Bel Air, Maryland. His monograph, Employee Onboarding at Private Clubs, explores the topic of onboarding practices from 10 yeah. highly regarded and well-known private clubs, along with selected leading hospitality establishments. It offers checklists, templates, and a set of best practices for the onboarding process that club managers can utilize in creating new or enhancing existing employee onboard programs. Welcome, Boris. Welcome, Boris. Thank you, ladies, and thank you so much for this uh, wonderful opportunity to spend next half an hour with both of you to chatting my uh, little project I've done. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're glad that you can finally join us. Life has been a little bit crazy for the past few months, and we've been wanting to talk to you for quite a while. So yeah. it's really good that you're finally able to be here. Yeah, finally. It wasn't all that bad, right? No, not at all. All right. Okay, well, I guess we'll go ahead and get started. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about the benefits of onboarding? Why is why is onboarding important and uh, why should clubs prioritize it? So sure, absolutely. So before I would uh, talk about actual benefits, I would like to touch on what onboarding actually is. So one of the definition that I kind of developed and put in my, uh, in my monograph was it's a process of integrating new employees within a club and its culture, as well as providing these new hires uh, tools and information needed to become a productive member of the team. So the purpose of the onboarding, uh, successful onboarding programs is to assimilate new employees with the club and its culture at a faster rate and eventually one of the great benefits is you ultimately save money and uh, God knows everybody <laughs> likes money nowadays, right? So uh, during the during my research and stuff I talked to many many uh, club managers did lots of research and sometimes I would ask some of my colleagues uh, how you do onboarding and, and uh, sometimes the uh, answer would be believe it or not said we don't just uh, do orientation and we let him go. I said, well, uh, <laughs> that's funny because every employee at any club or any organization actually gets onboarded regardless whether a company has onboarding program or not. Just simply hiring and training empl employees, it's a form of onboarding. And uh, the question is how successful that onboarding is. That 
so we can start talking about benefits a little, a little bit right now. So effective onboarding definitely helps establish better workplace mm -hmm. relationships, increases employee satisfaction, clarifies expectations and objectives, improves uh, employees' performance, and of course, helps reduce unwanted turnover. So while I was working on my, uh, on my research uh, with my team and uh, talking to this uh, wonderful uh, human resource managers from the selected clubs I've been, I was working with, I realized uh, that there are actually two types of benefits out there. There's tangible benefits, something you can hold on to, uh, which is something you can measure. It's reduced new hire turnover or labor cost savings. I already spoke about that. But to me personally, more, more important benefits of onboarding are the ones that actually you cannot really measure. They're intangible and they're a consistency of service delivery, uh, member satisfaction, employee job satisfaction, which is very, very important understanding of the club's culture, uh, autonomy of employees to make decision, also known in a HR world as empowerment, <laughs> and support for the club mission statement. So, you know, so as I said, like everybody does onboarding, whether they have it a formal onboarding program or not. So that's just a uh, one of the parts of the employee life, life cycle, they, they get onboarded. So, uh, but in order for onboarding program to be successful, at the end, uh, uh, upon that onboarding program, once it's uh, completed, employees should have a full understanding of their role in organization. Uh, they should know what's expected of them and what needs to be done to achieve companies or clubs uh, expected results, they should, managers should have confidence that uh, their staff has knowledge and tools to perform their, their job successfully. And then uh, that connection within club, within organization really needs to be established along with, with the trust between employees and their supervisors and trust among employees themselves. And then of course, full understanding of the organizational culture of the club. Absolutely. So yeah. I think you hit on something really um, interesting there. You, you mentioned orientation and how orientation is not onboarding. Like you could go through an orientation program and learn like this, these are the very strict rules of the working here. And this is the reporting structure. And here you go, here's your job, have fun, see you later. Um, so why don't you break down for us a little bit the difference between orientation, as we all sort of understand it, and then this more um, in-depth onboarding process. Co correct. So a uh, very simple explanation for that is that orientation is an event and onboarding is a process. I like that. That's perfect. That's the a, that's a most simplest uh, explanation I uh, came uh, came. Uh, about with this uh, researching this topic. So although orientation, it's a very important part of onboarding process, orientation by itself cannot get your employee where you want it to be. Because orientations, like in a, when I when I did the research and I was working this project, uh, 
majority of clubs, they spend maybe between uh, two to six hours on orienti orienting their employees. But they spend anywhere from month to three months, some of them all, almost six months on onboarding their employees. And then this orientation term is very misunderstood, not only in private club industry, but uh, in many other industries. And one of the <clears throat> very, very um, successful clubs that I worked with, when I initially approached them to, uh, to participate in my, uh, in my project, uh, the and I start working with their HR director. She told me like, "Oh, we don't do onboarding; we do orientation." So I said, "Okay, well, let's continue with this." Uh, I really wanted to find out what it is because uh, it was kind of hard to believe that they would just do just orientation <laughs> employees because they were a very very successful, well known club in the industry. Well, uh, long story short, they do amazing onboarding program they just call it orientation <laughs> because uh, you know and and that's fine and you know uh, because this onboarding this is term relatively new term it appeared in uh, early 2000 became a buzzword before that it was called the uh, uh, organizational socialization program and sometimes you know some people refer to that as orientation but uh, the fact that it is actually onboarding so I hope that explains the difference between the two. That's perfect. No, I think that that's an important distinction. I think um, to your point about that really well-known club calling it orientation, but when you actually take a closer look at it, it's like, no, that's actually an onboarding program. Um, yeah. I think that's sort of a great point about the semantics of sort of these new employee experiences that we're having. Um, it's important to know the difference because like you said, orientation is an event. You, you go to your orientation, whether it's for a couple hours on your first day of work, or maybe it's the first week, and then it's over. Um, but, you know, like onboarding can take months and months. Um, and that actually leads to our next question. So because it can be such a long process, and it can take a new employee um, a long time to sort of acclimate to, as you said, like, especially the club's culture, um, you, what do you feel is the best time frame, perhaps, or um, just time in general to accomplish onboarding? Okay, so of course, so there's a dilemma there. So officially, timing starts upon job ex uh, acceptance, because the first 90 days of employees' uh, employment are essential for new hires to get acclimated with the club and uh, establish that co connection. Uh, but when you look at the at the timing, you really have to look at an entire job, I mean, employee life cycle. And then uh, through my research, I uh, I read many books and many uh, read many opinions and academic studies on this particular subject. And then uh, some would argue that onboarding would start during recruitment. Some might argue that uh, recu recruitment phase. Some might ar uh, argue that onboarding when you when you look at the onboarding, there are different segments. There's a pre-boarding week, day day one, week one, uh, first three months, and first six months. So my while many companies start onboarding in that pre-boarding process, when somebody says yes, I want a job, let's put this person on board. There's some very very progressive uh, companies that actually start this onboarding process 
during the recruiting 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 process. I'm sorry. And then they're while but they're while they're attracting these candidates to their company, they're already onboarding them. They're already getting yeah. them, getting them into this club. I mean, into company culture and stuff. Explaining to them who they are, why they should be part of this company. You know, some wonderful companies out there like uh, like uh, Google who do that, and uh, Netflix, and you know, those, those giants in the industry. So while they're attracting these candidates to apply, they're at the same time they're they're doing some of the tasks that are typically assigned the onboarding of new employees. So, like, then, I think that's really cool. Best time to onboard employees to what works for your company, which you're comfortable with. Yeah, for sure. I think that the point about sort of that onboarding through the recruiting process is really interesting. And as you mentioned, I think we're we're probably all familiar with some of those larger companies um, that are successful at that. You mentioned Netflix. I mean, they're really well known for their company culture. I mean, I think they actually have like a big slide deck that's out for everyone and their mother to see and consume right. that talks right. about their company culture. Um, so I think, you know, like that work is important, especially for like big companies like that. So people are familiar with what they're getting into by the time they say, yeah, absolutely. I want to work for Netflix absolutely. because I know what I'm getting myself into. I know this is a place where I, I will fit in. Um, and I think it would be interesting to see how clubs could apply some of that mentality to their recruiting, um, you know, talk about their club culture in job descriptions that they put out um, a little bit more than just like, this is the job, this is the responsibility, this is the salary or whatever it is. You know, it would be an interesting thing to see people start to implement if that's something that would work for them. Um, all right, great. So. Talking about timing is great, um, but you know it's like we're kind of getting into the operational part of how does onboarding work. So when we're gonna let's think about best practices. Um, what are some of the strategies and tactics that you found in the research that you did that you would recommend to other clubs? So, so the most important. Probably the most important uh, discovery of my research is that, similar to culture, every every club has unique onboarding practices. Okay. So those practices are customized to fit the, each particular club. So I, I looked at the ten different clubs, and they all do the same things differently because it works <laughs> for them. And that it makes sense for them. But uh, some of the common best practices that I uh, discover in my research is that onboarding at the private club, we're private clubs, I'm talking about private clubs right now, uh, they start upon job acceptance. Okay. And then orientation should be performed as soon as possible, either first day or first week. When it comes to that orientation, that also has to be customized to the private, to the needs of that particular club. I'll give you an example of the club down in Florida. They do have a, a huge contingent of the summer, not summer, maybe winter help, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> seasonal help. Seasonal, to, uh, seasonal employees 
that come to United States to work for six months, okay? So their onboarding and uh, orientation event, it's different and customized for that particular group because during their orientation process, what they do is they, they teach these uh, this new employees some simple things that come that we take it for granted here, like how to go to the bank, how to use ATM machine, how to use a pu you know public transportation, uh, where where are the grocery stores around the club, and and those are so so as I said, like every event has to be customized to fit specific need of that club, even when it comes to orientation. I uh, I do know the one club in a in uh, Virginia, I cannot disclose all of these clubs because I signed, we all signed a whole bunch Absolutely. of people. Certainly, we understand. Exactly, like uh, at least in uh, which party, which part of the country, the clubs are from. One, uh, one club in mid-Atlantic area actually also has a very big contingent of the employees that are foreign-born, and uh, part of their onboarding process is, and this is just wonderful, is to have their employees go. Uh, through the English a second language class oh, paid cool. by the so and then uh, another club down uh, southwest what they do they treat their their orientation event like a members event oh. they have the servers they set up buffet they they clean I mean room is nice and and presentable and they have the videos they have all of this uh, PowerPoint presentation. So when these new employees come in, they're like, wow. And say, we see, this is how we take care of you. That's where we expect you to take care of our members and guests. Wow. So that's, a, that's another um, best practice. Also, uh, body system, it's very important. Every club uses it. Uh, only two clubs have formal body system in place. Most of the clubs have a their top servers or or top i mean uh, top hourly employees top cooks or a top person most experienced person and a ground crew assigned to this new employee to kind of walk him through and show him around and stuff so i definitely would uh, suggest to use the buddy system uh technology technology is integral part of onboarding program nowadays i don't even know how you can do uh how you can do it especially with uh, these new generations coming up. But also what's very important, especially in our industry, not to use that personal touch. So using technology out there, there are companies that use technology from the from A to Z to onboard their employees, works perfectly fine for them. There are some companies that don't use it, some small restaurants, you know, I mean, they have a book yeah. and they sit down and, you know, like they go through it. But when I found out in my research that, uh, using technology, but not losing that personal touch works great for the private clubs. Again, uh, uh, best practices to customize this onboarding program for your club specific needs. So you cannot use the onboarding program from one club and copy paste to another. You really have to put time and effort and, uh, and work behind it. Uh, you know, in my monograph, I, I uh, provided so many different tools that managers can use to enhance or start their uh, formal onboarding program. But you cannot just take those things and just uh, you know, say, okay, here what we do it from now on. You really need 
you should take those tools, look at your club and customize it to fit your own needs. And then also another thing that, uh, that I find these clubs doing is that after onboarding process and during and after onboarding process, seek constant feedback. Yes. How are we doing? Are you learning? What were we doing wrong? I mean, and then that's 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 very important. And I want to touch on Ritz Carlton because they really mastered that. They have this uh, 21 day event after after the first three weeks, employees can can come back and pretty much evaluate how they're being onboarded and trained. And they even can evaluate their supervisors and their co-workers and give that feedback back to the HR so that HR can improve in that uh, in that process. So I would say those are those are some of the best practices I discovered in my research. So I love it. Yeah. I, I will say I will recommend to everybody to um, take the opportunity to read Boris's full MCM monograph. It's um, it's got a lot of great tools and templates and best practices uh, driven in that and you can visit that right at CMA's website cma.org backslash mcm.aspx. But I also want to, Boris, while we have you, talk to you about this process because you are the 23rd um, CMA member to go through this process. And, and it's obviously um, extensive. Uh, there's an enormous amount of research, writing, editing, um, and you know, and, and and assembling all that information together. So, can you talk to us just about that process and and what uh, what you think other people should know as they look to embark upon it? Well, I can talk about my process. I mean, everybody has different experience. And sure. before I would even uh, before I even started this process, I've been hearing all of these stories. Like one manager went to Tibet for six months and lived with the monks. <laughs> 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 uh, another one, uh, I don't know, had to give up his first uh, firstborn to somebody. I don't know. I'm just exaggerating. So, sure. so it, it, I mean, it's it's challenging, it's difficult, but it's very attainable. Absolutely. And then, uh, as I said, I'm going to work. Uh, what actually worked for me is um, when I decided to go and undertake this uh, this journey, not completing it, not finishing it was not an option for me and I'll explain why but first I would like to, so all of those managers are thinking about this and I know many people came to me and congratulating me and said we really would like to do this you know reach out to me reach out to anybody I think like there's a, such a huge you know support group here every MCM out there is going to really try to help you out and uh, nobody's going to do your job for you but they're going to really help out you know, and because what you want to do is, this is to give back to the industry. One of the important things that uh, I realized is uh, that once you decide to go into this process, you have to check out your ego out of door. Okay. <laughs> if you're thinking that you're some kind of big cheese manager with a lot of pins and this and that, and you just want to be MCM, you are in for surprise. Because your mindset should be, I'm a student, I'm not an expert. Because uh, you're going to be working with this amazing 
very smart academics that they're putting their time and effort to helping you out and uh, you really need to learn, you need to listen, and you need to follow instructions. And then my monograph and my, what I had in mind three years ago when I started this project and the final product are two completely different things. Because I thought I knew some things, but then again, through this process, I realized I didn't. And if I wouldn't have my support team and academic council, I would never, ever be able to finish it. It's uh, simply impossible. So another thing is, uh, you, it really is going to take minimum of two years. To me, it took a little longer because my subject was so vast, so complex. So, uh, but you want to do, you want to allocate two years of your life to work in this project. You have to be organized. You really have to. Uh, understand that you're going to sacrifice your family time, you're really going to understand that you're going to sacrifice your, your free time for things, you know, you're going to, if you want to do something else and not sit down reading books, writing, rewriting and stuff, probably, you know, you go do something else. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Academic advisor, I'll tell you, uh, Probably most important person in a MCM support team, it's academic advisor. I was so blessed and, and fortunate uh, to have uh, Professor Samuel, Matt Samuel, as my academic advisor. He worked with me, we spent hours and hours and hours in talking. And uh, he, he guided me through the process. I've never been here, I've never done any of this stuff before. And he was really patient with me. So. So I would suggest for the future MCMs, really do your homework and really find a good academic advisor who really is going to help you and work with you and uh, be passionate about your topic. Another thing is a support team. You need to put together a good support team. Usually consists of one master club manager. And that's probably the easiest part because every master club manager out there is going to help you out. You know, they, that's just what we do. Uh, and uh, probably most, uh, di more difficult part is to find a topic expert. Yeah, absolutely. And in my case, I had Lauren Cozzionis. I, I think I just butchered her last name, but Lauren is amazing. She's the HR director for Baltimore Country Club. And she helped me so much. So I worked with Lauren a lot, and, uh, but because of this being uh, such a big and vast topic, I actually had to, to create a sub-support group mm -hmm. uh, because um, I just thought I needed more people, more opinions, and I couldn't use all of the Lawrence time to help me out. So Betsy Gregory from Progressional, she was also amazing uh, support, and then um, uh, and then uh, Tom Rayleigh from the from Billy Casper Golf, yeah. he's their president, and Tom was also helping me out, giving advice, sharing some uh, some of his opinions and stuff. So that was the uh, so that was the when it comes to the sport team uh, topic. When you choose the topic, you know you're going to spend a lot of time, your time in and then uh, your support group time, your academic advisor's time, and MCM consult time, consult time working on this topic. Uh, 
So when you when you uh, when you look at which topic you should research, you really need to make sure that this topic is relevant. You know. Yep. Strongly advise that that this topic is gonna is gonna bring people to read your monographs. Gonna people it's gonna have people asking you questions. Uh, you know, if you know, in my presentation, I was told there'll be maybe 10 people, 15 people in a room. We had 40 people outside of the room lined up because, and I'm glad they didn't come to hear me. Trust me, my mouth. They came to learn about onboarding of uh, new employees. I think that that's. That's why I was so happy to, 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 to choose that topic. And then, uh, very important, you know, you need to find your driver, something that's going to drive you through this process. Don't do it for you. Don't expect anything in return. You, this, this, this research, this program, this certification, it's to give back to the industry. And that was my driver. And, uh, uh, I came to this country about 23 years ago, uh, fresh off the boat, got a job at the country club, Hershey Country Club. I didn't even know what the country club was. I thought that was the place where they play country music, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm honest. I had Love no it. clue what was going on. I, uh, I just needed a job, and at the time you would look at the back of the newspaper. I said, okay, I live in Hershey. Let's, let's check this place out. So I got into a private club, uh, a Hershey private club, and then shortly I fell in love with the, with the industry, and I worked my way up, I mean, from being a server, bartender, system manager, and I spent pretty much all my life in the private club industry and gave me so much. When I came here, I spoke, I mean, I didn't speak English well, I had no education or anything, but CMAA and this industry really gave me opportunity, gave me education, gave me, uh, I've seen pretty much every corner of this country. I've seen so, so many different cities. I established a network of such a wonderful people, not only all over the United States, but all over the world. I, I, I mean, I have friends from, because of this industry, I have friends in England, Australia, Africa, so on. And then uh, I did this research and I did this project to give back to the industry. And that was my, that was my uh, driver. And that's why, that's why uh, failure was not an option to me. <laughs> All right. And, uh, MCM Academic Council. When you when you work with these people, you know uh, they 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 all have their own jobs and they're all busy. So I really suggest to 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 listen what they have to say, follow their directions, and respect their time, because uh, they're the ones that are going to make things happen for you, but they're not going to do it for you. And uh, and uh, last which is also very important when it comes to topic, and I'll share my experience. I did the research before the research. I, I actually spent six months researching what my topic should be before I even submitted uh, this topic to MCM uh, Academic Council, because I really wanted to make sure that what I wanna, what I wanna, you know, do the research about is gonna make sense. So I looked, uh, I went like in a five, 
10 and 15 years back and I looked about things and topics that keep club managers up at night, something that club managers really going to find useful. And then uh, depending period of time, you know, there are different topics. Decline in golf was uh, one of the big topics. Another one was a uh, uh, recession in 2008. And uh, another one was a uh, uh, some government's regulations and stuff. Melissa knows, you know, how difficult and bothersome they can be for the private club managers. But uh, what I find out that one of the topics that always lingered up top was this employee retention. Mm-hmm. Retain, recruiting and retaining employees. And I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. And while I was doing that, then uh, CMA comes up, uh, releases that study about recruiting hourly employees, if you remember 2017. And I was like, okay, this is great. So I said, this recruiting hourly employees is great. What I wanna do is I wanna do the, I wanna research the next step in employee life cycle onboarding of hourly employees. And then uh, with hope that future MCM or maybe uh, CMA research department, Amalkar Sara, or, or maybe some academic out there that's doing research in a private club industry might, uh, might look into or do the research and the development of the mm-hmm. employee or research, I mean, or uh, retention of the employees or perhaps even offboarding of the employees. So because I put this, I did this research before the research, I really packaged all of this nicely together. When I presented this to academic console, they were like, oh, makes sense. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Because you know, they have to spend their time. Yeah. Spend, you know, and, and this project, uh, Everybody, it takes a lot of time and effort. It just doesn't happen. So it really has to make sense. So that would be, and also another thing, once you start doing this, you really have to have a good editors, you know, to work to work with you. I actually had three. I went to three editors because, uh, and uh, it's very difficult because some of them are good, some of them not so much. So we, you really need to find an editor that understands your topic. So I did, uh, I ended up with the editor, also on recommendation of the academic council that understood hospitality industry, you know, because I had some editors that didn't, and then there was not good connection because I wanted my monograph to be, re- it's academic paper, but I also wanted to be easily understandable for a guy like me, a regular club manager, you know, I want, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, it has to be accessible. I don't want to, I don't want to, I didn't want people to read my monograph and have their eyes bleed. That's right, right, right. <laughs> That's why I really, really suggest find a good editor that's actually going to understand your industry, going to understand your language, you're going to understand what you're trying to do relate to your audience so those are my advices and then a last one as i said my last article at the club management magazine if you're thinking about it you're already halfway there so you just need to go ahead and just do it i love it i love love it love it Thank you, Boris. Yeah. This has been awesome. I love hearing, you know, I love hearing 
your research, but also just your passion for CMAA and uh, doing the work. It's so it's so cool. I'm a nerd, and Melissa's a nerd too. So we're we're totally here for like research and and diving in and asking questions. So this is fantastic. Thank you, Boris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.